Thank you. Good morning, Celebration Church. How are we doing? Not good enough. Dustin told me that if it wasn't good enough, I could do it again. And I'm going to take that liberty. So good morning, Celebration Church. How are we doing? Oh, that's so much better. Gosh, that's so much better. Now, I also hope Dustin loses in fantasy football. I'm not in his league, nor am I playing him. But it's just so much more fun when any of his teams lose. Can we just agree on that? I mean, amen, praise Jesus, whenever Dustin's teams lose. Because nobody likes it when the 49ers are good. It just, it just makes the rainy and the cold seasons just that much worse. And golly, I mean, I've, I, mean I have had a little bit of a grudge for a while. Um, it may or may not have anything to do with the fact that he... Um, decorated my office with Patriots gear when we lost them in the Super Bowl. I can't even talk about it. Um, just pictures of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady everywhere. And, you know, it's just not a healthy environment to work in. And so, you know, I had to leave, had to get out of that. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, Pastor Dustin, if you are watching online, thank you so much for having me here. It's always such a blessing to be here. I want to do one thing real quick, if you'll indulge me. Um, I'm kind of a, a selfie guy, um, an unposter. Like, I don't post any of them. I just like to take them. So we're going to take a selfie and send it to Pastor Dustin. Oh, let's zoom out a little bit. Okay, first in the middle. He's in Hawaii, so I'm going to throw up a little shaka. Oh, yeah, now we're going to come over here. Oh, yeah. This group over here, this is my particular favorite group because my wife's over here, yeah. Oh, that's a great picture, yeah, wonderful. Um, he'll probably never see those. Um, I mean he will, I promise. Fingers were crossed. But hopefully they're having a good vacation. Uh, hopefully, they, I mean, they're coming home today, but hopefully they get, you know, one last swim on the beach. Um, do you think he knows how to swim? I'm not certain, to be honest. I've never seen him in water. Who knows? It's hard to say. Ironically, my wife and my three kids, uh, my wife's over here, her name's Brittany, um, just go me, really, honestly. Um, but we have three beautiful children, Luke, Micaiah, and Lily. We actually also just got back from Hawaii, um, different island, didn't cross over, didn't see them. Um, but it, we had a lot of fun. Um, we had the absolute best time. Uh, we really did it all. I, I brought a couple pictures. I'm not sure which one's going to pop up first, but here's one of the sunsets we were at. This is at a little beach called, uh, was this Three Tables or Shark's Cove? This is Shark's Cove. Um, beautiful little area, lots of rocks. You can swim around and snorkel and see the fish. Um, cool little sun break through the clouds. Uh, there's my three kids kind of in that picture with Brittany. And then I have one more picture. What's a good trip to Hawaii without shave ice? I mean, I, I don't really know how to explain it unless you've ever had Hawaiian shave ice. Our shave ice stinks. I don't know if you know that. Our shave ice here stinks. This shave ice is like soft. I don't know how to explain that because it's ice, but it's soft and it melts in your mouth and it's delicious. And you can see Lily. This is the little one right here um, with the cool little poofy hair thing right coming up. Um, her hair doesn't grow. We're waiting for it. Um, what she'll do is she'll station herself in the middle of anybody in our group who's eating shave ice, whether it's shave ice, ice cream, food in general. She'll position herself right here in the middle. Me and Brittany's dad are right behind this picture, um, and she will just go, and she'll rotate like in a circle. So she'll go up to Brittany, take a bite. She'll turn around, 
take a bite. Turn around to the next person, take a bite. And she will do that until everybody's shave ice is gone, which is good for me because it means I have to eat less shave ice, which is bad for me because it means I get to eat less shave ice. But we really did it all. Went to a new beach every day. We ate all the food, caught every wave, saw some sea turtles. Sea turtles look cool. And even, I have to tell this one story too. So we went to lunch one day with uh, Brittany's, uh, her grandma, her uncle, uh, and that's kind of who we were staying with. Her dad didn't come that morning, but we were with just family. And we went to this place called Zippy's. If you've ever been to Hawaii, Zippy's is like Red Robin, but Hawaiian. Um, kind of, or maybe like a Denny's where they have breakfast, lunch, dinner, they just have everything. Um, I mean, doesn't make any sense why there's certain things next to each other on the menu, but they have it. And so we went to Zippy's, you know, we're ordering. Um, somebody usually gets chili. Somebody usually gets a club sandwich. Somebody usually gets something fish related or seafood related. Like you can get it all. Kids get hamburgers. Towards the end of the meal, Lily's starting to get a little restless as a two-year-old does. Uh, and she's kind of playing around on the seat, getting kind of up and down, jumping. So we decide that we let her on the ground to just walk around while we're finishing up our meal. Well, here's the thing. Lily, now that she's getting a little bit older, um, she's two and a half now, she's no longer short enough to just barely stand straight up under the table. You know what I'm talking about? How, how babies, when they start learning to walk, they can just walk anywhere because nothing hits their heads. Well, she has just eclipsed that height and is no longer short enough to not run square into the corner of tables. Some of you see where this is going. So she gets down and she's playing and she's walking around and she's just having a good time. Honestly, just an absolute joy hanging out with her at lunch, which is not always the case at public restaurants. And so she's, she's playing, she's walking around, and then we turn and we see it happen and she crouches and stands straight up into the table. And how many of you know what a silent cry is? Yeah. And what comes after the silent cry? The not so silent cry? Yeah. It became messy real quick. And, and Lily, she gets all bottled up. She turns red and starts screaming bloody murder. There's nowhere I want to be less than a restaurant with a toddler screaming bloody murder. So I pick her up. I take her outside, and she's screaming, and she's screaming, and and I'm holding her. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Owie, owie. And then she looks me dead in the eyes and she goes, hold on. <laughs> what? Was that fake? She looks at me. She says, hold on. Takes her finger. Sticks it up her nose. Digs around a little bit. Let's go. Wipes it on the wall of the building continues to scream bloody murder. <laughs> what? Come on. I couldn't believe it. That was just kind of the end of our vacation. But what I've learned with vacations too is with every vacation, and not just, but even real life, they all come with expectations. Ever, anybody ever been there? For this trip, I expected to go to the beach, to eat shave ice, to visit my family, to catch some waves. My son, Luke, he's eight. He expected to go to Shark's Cove, snorkel with the fish. He wanted to ride the boogie board. Brittany wanted to get a tan. That's all she talked about, not getting tan enough. I'm like, don't talk to me about tan because I only turn red. 
You know, just what it is what it is. Lily probably just wanted food and snacks. But my daughter, Micaiah, she's four. Oh, she was very adamant about one thing. She wanted a coconut. Not just like a store-bought, like, cut-already coconut. She wanted a fresh, cut open in front of her, drink out of the coconut with a straw, eat the meat inside later coconut. That was one of her expectations. And guess what? She let us know every single minute of every single day, I need a coconut. Let's find a coconut. Dad, when am I getting my coconut? Mom, are we going to get coconuts? And it was becoming something that we were realizing that uh, we're going to need to do something to fulfill this expectation. So we, we end up going to a beach. Uh, we're going to pick up Brittany's dad. He's a body surfer. It's incredible to watch. He gets out there and he just rides the waves back and forth. Um, he invites me in and I politely say, you know what? I think I'm going to sit this one out because rather than look like a, a dummy, maybe drown, uh, I'm just going to take videos of you and then you have videos of it. So we're at the beach, we're picking him up and all of a sudden this guy drives past us as we're getting him uh, loaded into the car and he notices my father-in-law's fins. He wears fins to be able to navigate the waves. And he goes, hey, are those a certain type of fin? My father-in-law kind of taken aback, turns around and he goes, yeah, yeah, these are the types of fins that we wear. I know nothing about fins for surfing. Uh, and they start going back and forth. And out of nowhere, this guy, because uh, my father-in-law said, you know, I'm here, my daughter's here, my, my grandkids are here, they're visiting from Washington. And he goes, do you guys want coconuts? <laughs> yes, we do. We're not sure what that means at this point. But here's a little video. I, I brought it without sound because... Um, it's not the most family-friendly of audio from this guy, but this guy gets into the back of his truck. There's my two kids, Luke and uh, Micaiah, and he pulls out a machete and starts whacking open coconuts for my kid that he has collected uh, over the cross of the past couple days, and he starts giving my kids coconuts to, uh, to drink out of, just fresh, chilled coconuts. Uh, it was kind of terrifying because he just pulled out a hatchet or a machete or something at one point. And my daughter's expectations were met. Now, I, I probably shouldn't add this, but it's kind of a funny part of the story. Another reason there's no audio. Um, he may have offered moonshine after the coconut, <laughs> just to kind of give you an idea of the guy we were dealing with. But he was just such a happy-go-lucky, like, he's like, I just love blessing people, man. He had the he is greater than I sticker on the back of his car. Um, but at that moment, my daughter's expectations were met. This word, expectation. We all live our lives with this word, don't we? In all its different forms. But broken down, the word expect is defined by, like this by Webster's. It's to consider probable or certain, to consider reasonable, due or necessary, to anticipate or look forward to the coming or occurrence of, to consider bound in duty or obligated. And from that, we get this word expectation, the act or state of expecting, anticipation, Something that's expected, a basis for expecting, an assurance. We expect for our jobs to go a certain way. We expect for our spouse or our friends to act a certain way. We expect for our kids to respond to us a certain way. We expect for Pastor Dustin to preach a certain way. Is that a thing? I don't know. You get the idea. And as Christians, we have this unique opportunity to expect from God, especially when it comes to hearing his voice. But with expectations, we also understand that there's work involved that comes with that. We know that for our job to go well, if we expect for it to go well, we have to work hard. 
We know that for our marriage, if we expect our marriages to go well, or our relationships with people to go well, we have to put in the time and the effort. We know that for our uh, relationships with our kids to go well, if we want them to respond in a certain way, we have to teach and train them. We have to put in the work. But for some reason, when we expect to hear from God, we forget that there's also a practical part of that for us. So what do we expect when we're expecting from God? There's only two main points today, two main questions to answer. Okay, so let's dive into that and, and, and practically looks, look at what it might look like to hear from God. So the question then, the big question is one, how do I hear from God? How? What do we do? How do I hear from God? And I've, I don't know about you, but as a follower of Jesus, I've always wanted to do what God wants me to do. I want to try to live my life in line with God's will. The problem is I don't always do that, and I don't always know how to do that. And preparing for this message, it dawned on me that if I'm a lifelong follower of Jesus, and I'm still struggling to hear his voice, then there's probably other people on different areas of their journey who also have a hard time knowing if they're hearing from Jesus. So how do we answer that question of how? How do we hear from God? Let's take a look at some of those different ways that God speaks, the ways that God moves, so we can have a clearer idea of what it is we're actually looking for. So five practical ways that we hear from God. First one, he speaks to us through his creation. In Psalm 19, verses uh, one through four, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes throughout all of the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has a tent for the sun. God speaks to us through his creation. Whenever my wife convinces me to go on a hike and we finally get to the finish point, my reaction is always the exact same. Wow, what a view. Look at this place that God's created for us. I mean, just driving here this morning, uh, my wife was driving so that I could kind of be looking over my notes and just be praying out this morning. And I look up and I see Mount Rainier. I'm like, wow, look at this place. God, you are incredible. This doesn't seem real. Sometimes when you just need a quick little jump start, your relationship with God, his creation is the perfect place to go in here. And while because I'm not super outdoorsy, this isn't a method that I use super frequently, every single moment where I'm outside and experiencing God's creation, that is, I mean, every single time, it's just, wow, thank you, God, for what you've created. He speaks to us through his creation. Number two, he speaks to us through other people. Throughout the Bible, this is a theme. God uses other people to speak. Moses received wisdom from his father-in-law Jethro. Samuel was God's mouthpiece to tell Jesse that David would be king. Daniel hears from God to share to the king and so many more examples. This is what makes the church so important. This is what makes this community so important is to have people in your life that are seeking God together who can guide you, answer questions for you, ask questions from you, pray with you, give you counsel when you need it, and so much more. It makes this such a special place. Now, I'm not saying just go and let anybody speak into your life or just because somebody that went to church that you met one time is gonna be God's mouthpiece for you. But for me, I have key people in my life that I trust to speak into my life. And I know that when I hear the, some of those people speak, that 
that's God directly speaking to me. My wife, my parents, a couple of really good friends, people like Pastor Dustin and Stephanie. I know that they have my best interest, will tell me how it is, even if it's something I don't want to hear. And in a lot of those instances, I can see that that's God using them to speak to me. Speaks through his creation, he speaks through other people. Number three, he speaks to us through circumstance. This one can be tricky because our circumstances just in general can be really tricky. Because in the same way that God uses circumstances to speak to us and through us, Satan can try to use our circumstances to speak to us as well, to distract us. I've heard God through circumstances in pretty much every main decision that's ever happened in my life, whether it's him opening doors, closing doors. And in nearly all of those situations, I can also see how the devil tried to take those circumstances and turn them for himself. Some examples. When I was first uh, leaving high school and I was trying to pick a college to go to, um, I actually landed on Northwest University in Kirkland. That's where I was committed to go. Uh, I was going to try to walk on and play basketball. I know, as you can see, it's probably not the best idea I've ever had. Uh, but I was going to try, okay? And so I, I got everything ready. I had talked to the coach. He said, yeah, we have a walk-on spot for you. Uh, we can see what that turns into. Um, just put some time and effort in. And, and so I submitted um, my deposit to go and live in the dorms. I was ready to go. I was working towards getting my move ready. I was probably maybe a few weeks out from moving to Northwest. And all of a sudden, maybe three weeks before I was supposed to go, I get a call from the financial office. They called me and told me, hey, listen, we've been checking out your financial package. Um, we don't advise you to come to school. Uh, you're going to have to take out a lot of loans. Um, the grant thing's not working out the way we thought it might for you. Um, it's probably not a good idea. And as a you know, 17, 18-year-old um, young man just kind of getting out of high school, I was crushed. This is where I wanted to go to school. I was going to be kind of close to home. I was going to get to play uh, basketball. Whether I was going to see the court or not didn't matter to me. I was going to get to do something that I loved to do. And in that moment, I felt like it was the devil just knocking away all of my dreams. The very next day, I was called small school in Eugene, Oregon. The same week, the very next day, New Hope Christian College called me and said, hey, this is Coach Jim DeGroote, New Hope Christian College. I wanted to offer you a basketball scholarship to come play for us. In a circumstance where I saw how the devil was trying to distract me, God used my circumstance to speak through me and say, this is where you're headed. When my wife and I moved to California, the first house we were living in, we thought was the perfect place for us. Good location, next to the schools, really close to work. And 11 months in, we get a call and says, hey, the owner's going to sell this house. We're going to have to kick you out. We were shocked. We were hurt. How are we going to find a better home than this? We just had a baby. How are we going to find something that's even comparably the same price? The devil was trying to use our circumstance. And instead, we somehow found a more affordable place in the same city, somehow a better location, getting to be neighbors with our best friends. God speaking to us through circumstance. In those moments, I was reminded of Jeremiah 29, 11, which read, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. When you're looking to hear from God, remember to look in your circumstance. 
But remember, it can be tricky. Don't let the moments of our circumstances that are tricky and, and hard be the distraction that Satan's trying to use to keep you from hearing from God in your circumstance. Number four, God speaks to us through supernatural means. In Exodus, he speaks to Moses as a burning bush. I don't know that it gets more supernatural than that. In Numbers, he speaks to Balaam through a donkey. In Isaiah, he gives a powerful vision. You get the idea. While this hasn't happened to me personally, throughout scripture, we see God show up in ways that don't make a whole lot of logical sense. And he speaks to people who needed him and needed to meet him most. For some of us, we've had those experiences. Some of us haven't. Some of us are still waiting and potentially will have that experience. But it doesn't mean that it can't happen. God speaks to people through supernatural experiences. And number five, God speaks to us through the Bible. And I saved this one for last because I think it's the most important. It's probably the most practical. Sometimes I have such a want and a need to hear from God, but I have such an unwillingness to open the book that he's given me where he's already talking. Sometimes it's so hard for me to open his story, read through the experiences that he's already talked about and figure out how to apply that to my own life. The simple fact is he gave us his words. He gave us an opportunity to hear from him at any moment. Not just audibly, but through his word. The simple fact is the more time you spend in God's word, the more familiar you're going to be with what his voice sounds like. And you'll start to be able to differentiate his voice and yours. I think there's a lot of people who desire to hear from God. I'd be willing to bet most of us in this room. But some of us are not as willing to open up that book to learn what God sounds like. You want to know what God's saying and what he sounds like? Open his word to what he's already said. You want to know how Jesus speaks so you're ready when he starts talking to you now? Open up his, his word, the Bible, to find out the way he's already said it. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is breathed out by God. The pages of the Bible are his word, God's words. And if you're looking to hear from God, look no further. Open it, read it. You won't be disappointed. Those five things speaks to us through his creation, through other people, through circumstances, through supernatural means, and through his word. Great. We know how God speaks. Here's the problem. Number two, when are we going to hear an answer? Just because we know how God speaks doesn't know we know when God's going to speak. Doesn't, know we know, doesn't mean we know when he's going to answer some of those questions. Sorry, something just flew into my eye. It's kind of freaking me out. I think I got it. I think it was dust. When will I hear an answer? I think a lot of people have this question when they're trying to hear from God. Well, I prayed. When am I going to hear what he has for me? When's he going to speak? Is it going to be soon? Is it going to be what I want to hear? Is it going to make sense? Is it even going to align with my life that I have going on right now? Is it going to be convenient for me? Or is it going to devastate my plans? Is it going to close a door that I don't want closed? When am I going to hear that answer? A lot of us aren't ready for that answer, to be honest. 
we're not ready for what might happen if it's not what we're looking to hear. Brittany and I, a couple years ago, we were in a group called Rooted uh, at our church. Uh, and this group was where we would just meet with um, some other couples around our age, um, kind of in the same circumstances of life, uh, and dig into God's word, go through a book together, really just build community. Um, and, and, and honestly, it is a spot that we were able to meet some of our best friends that we now vacation with. Um, really good opportunity for us to connect with people at church. So this is, this is a plug. If you're not in a group at church, um, you're going to meet some of the best, best people in your life through groups at church. Uh, so whatever that looks like here at Celebration, get plugged into a group. Um, go meet new people. Go, go even go deeper with people you already know. Uh, it's going to change your life forever. Uh, it's just so good to have a group of people like that. Uh, we've been texting with some of those friends just from that group uh, even this week. Uh, and two years later, we're just as close as can be. Uh, but we're in this group called Rooted. Uh, and, and during the third week of the group, we entered into what was called the prayer experience in the small group plan. And so the idea of this prayer experience was that we would spend the week reading the word, reading um, through the text that the book gave us, um, but also some scriptures. And on uh, the Monday of our small group, we would spend the day fasting and expectation for our experience. Uh, you see, this prayer experience was set up to check in with your group. Uh, and then move along for an hour to be on your own um, and have a one-hour uh, focused, purposeful time uh, to hear from God, to pray, to ask questions, to read the word, to worship, whatever that looked like for you, uh, to try and hear from God. So the fast happened all day Monday, and then we come into the prayer expe uh, experience very expectant uh, to hear from God. I was pretty nervously excited to do this, um, I think I've, I mean, I'm, I've been a follower of Jesus my entire life, but I don't think I've ever purposely fasted like that um, and been so expectant of trying to hear God say something to me, um, asking him very specific questions for what was going to be next in our lives um, and, and all that kind of that goes with that, how we we're going to raise our kids. Um, but I decided uh, early on that I was going to be all in on this group. So I got ready that Monday morning. I woke up. I wrote some things down that I had questions about that I wanted clarity on. Um, um, not just a few things, not too many, but I felt like there were some things moving forward that I wanted to hear answers from, from God. And all day I thought about it. Every time I was hungry, which for me was often not good at fasting, I found out that day. Turns out I really like to eat. Um, but every time I remembered I was fasting for a reason, that I was expecting to hear from God. Each time I felt weak, I remembered what I had planned later. And this went on all day. And eventually it was time for our rooted group, our prayer experience. And at this point, I was pumped. I'd made it through the day. I'd fasted. I'd been uh, just kind of praying about my experience, what I was going to ask God. Uh, just kind of been in that place of worship all day, which if you've never um, done anything like that uh, or even just had a day where you've purposely fasted or spent time with God, um, and it doesn't have to be fasting, but anything that can get your mind so focused on uh, some alone time that you spend with the Lord, uh, I mean, it, it was mind-blowing to me. I'd never done anything so focused like that, that all day, uh, even though I had kind of been at a deficit, all day I, I had just knew that God was right there with me. So I was excited. I'd fasted all day. God was going to meet me. I was expecting God to answer my questions, expecting him to speak to me, expecting him to show up, because I put in the work. 
I put in at least 12 hours of work, eight hours of work, six and a half hours of work. I put in the work. So I grabbed my Bible. I grabbed my rooted book. I got to the area of the house where I was going to do my prayer experience. I was all in. Six and a half hours of work, remember. And I opened up some scriptures. I put my prayers that I'd written down in front of me. I kind of set it up. I had this whole display. had my Bible in one spot. I had my music worship list, uh, set list over here. I had the things that I had written down, my rooted book here. You know, they give us a guide of kind of things you can pray about, scriptures you can read. I had all the scriptures that I had read and written down. I had like this whole smorgasbord of Bible stuff right in front of me. And I was like, I am a good Christian. I've been preparing six hours for this prayer experience. God's ready for me, let me tell you. Buckle up. I'm going to get some answers. Got it all. I was ready. I opened up my scriptures. I started praying. I put my stuff down in front of me. I got down on my knees. I opened up in prayer, and I asked God some of the specific questions, and I asked him to speak to me. And guess what he said? I got nothing. I got crickets. It was silent. Okay, I must be doing something wrong. It's only been about five, ten minutes. Um, so I got up, I looked at my notes, made sure I was praying the things that I was asking for correctly. I read a few more scriptures. I said, maybe I was, maybe I got to face the other direction on my knees. You know, I'll do anything at this point. So I got back down on my knees and I prayed specifically this time. Maybe not as general as I thought, maybe I got to be more specific. I prayed specifically and expectantly for the things on my list that I wanted answers for. And I said them out loud and I said them clear because maybe God couldn't hear me the first time. This time I made sure I prayed in such a way that he would hear what I was saying and I would hear an answer. Still crickets, still nothing. Okay, I must not really have my heart into this when I'm praying. I mean, I know I fasted, and I, and I did wish I had eaten at some points, and maybe that meant it didn't work so well, but, but maybe I wasn't letting God provide and fill me because I was just so focused on the food. But I fasted. Maybe if I open my notebook and write down some of the words and scriptures that I've been reading, then God will speak to me in my answers. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, so I'm going to pull out my journal. But think about some of these words on this sheet that they gave us and, and go through some of the things that God uh, should potentially be speaking to me in, these, in this moment to answer my prayers. I start writing these words down, you know, faith, love, hope, you know, the, the, the basics. Nothing. Hmm. I went through my prayer list. I started praying for each thing one at a time, expectantly listening for the answers. Turned off my music. I said, maybe I'm just a little distracted. Nothing. Crickets. I'm furious at this point. I prepared six hours for this, remember. I checked my watch and I've got four minutes left in my 60-minute prayer experience. And I've heard nothing. Nothing from God. I'm so incredibly frustrated because this was the day that I put in the effort to hear from him and he didn't show up. Then something happened. About 30 seconds left. I got five words. Not your timing, but mine. It dawned on me that all the verses I've been reading, trying to hear from God during this prayer experience, 
Lamentations 3, 23 said, the steadfast love never ceases. His mercies never come to the end. Psalm 48, this is our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 144, 2, he is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge. Daniel 6, 26, for he is the living God enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. And it, and it dawned on me at this moment. He'd been showing me the entire time that he will guide me, that he will provide for me, that this is his kingdom, not mine, that he's steadfast in his love, that he is faithful, that he's my shepherd, and I do not need to worry about what he has for me because when the time is right, he'll fill me in. Not your timing, but mine. You see, it was so easy to enter into that time alone with God and expect that he was going to meet my demands because I put in one day's effort. But God doesn't work on our schedule. God doesn't work on my schedule. He fits us into his. That doesn't mean don't be expectant in hearing from God. But it does mean don't expect it to happen in your timing. We've already established that he speaks to us through different avenues. But when it comes to hearing his answers, there's no way for us to possibly know when that's going to be. And for me, he could see, I'm sure, that I was rushed. I was needy. I was passionate. I wanted answers now. And cool, calm, and collected, he said, not your timing, Cameron, but mine. I want to invite the worship team back up as we close. Listen, I don't know where you're, where you're, where you're at in your relationship with God, whether, you're, whether it's been a grind for as long as you can remember, whether you're still longing for that first-time connection, whether you're somewhere in the middle. But I want to challenge you as we close today. How many times have you actually purposefully had a conversation with God where you've been expectant of the answer. Maybe that answer came. Maybe it didn't. But two things. I want to encourage you. One, that doesn't mean God wasn't there listening. We can't pretend to know his timing, but we can trust to know that he's got us exactly where he needs us to be in his schedule, in his timing. I want to challenge you this week. Continue to be expectant of God. See what he might tell you. Maybe it's like me and you're told, hey, pump the brakes. I got it figured out. My timing, not yours. But maybe God clears something up that you've been wondering. Maybe he answers a question that you've been dying to know the answer to. Maybe he speaks to you and challenges you in a way that you needed. Maybe you don't hear anything at all. But wherever you are in faith, I challenge you to make time to hear from the Lord. Not a one-day, six-hour prayer experience at the end, but a daily commitment to hear from God. Most obvious place to start, open the Bible. 
Start with the Gospels if it's something you've never done before, if it's something you're trying to get back into. Go read Jesus's words, Jesus's story. Find a plan, ask somebody. I mean, there's so many people in this church with such good, strong connections with the Lord that would love to help walk you through a reading plan if you've never done one before. I mean, we've all got these devices now and they come with built-in Bibles. They come with suggestions of reading plans, of topics for things you're going through in your life. Listen, there's no excuses at this point to not be hearing from God because he's written it down for us already. So I challenge you, whether it's five minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, an hour a day, start where you can. Be expectant of God. While we still have some sunshine left, go out, be in his creation. See the beauty around us. God's got something for this church. I feel it. I know it. He's got plans for Celebration Church. But here's the thing, church. It's not on your timing. It's on his. So in the meantime, why don't we be receptive to what God has for us? Open up to the opportunities for connection. I think it's going to make a huge difference, a huge change. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you even challenge us, Jesus, to expect from you. I know it sounds weird to say, but you do. Because when we start to expect from you, Jesus, expect that you're going to show up, expect that you're going to be faithful, expect that you're going to do what you promised, and our faith will continue to deepen. Lord, I pray that it's all on your schedule, not ours. I pray that we would, while still being expectant, realize that it's your timing, not ours, that we would begin to uh, dive into your word, to be out in your creation, to hear from you in the ways that you've provided for us, and that when you are ready to speak, we would be willing to listen. Jesus, thank you so much for this church. We pray for them in this next season as we get into sweater weather and soup season, that they would continue to yearn after you, to love you with our whole hearts. Jesus, we love you so much. In your name, everybody said.